Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Acts. Hi, faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Bible Explained podcast today. We're going to be taking a break from Paul for a moment to read a little bit more about Peter in the next coming chapters. In fact, I don't think Paul is mentioned much at all um, for a while here. So we're going to see what happens with Peter. And I think one of the reasons Paul is or Saul is not really mentioned in these chapters is because, once again, his ministry kind of took a hiatus once he went into Tarsus. And that's where we left off on Tuesday. So Saul is now in Tarsus. Peter now is going to be discussed in the next couple chapters. So let's read Acts chapter 9 verses 32 through 43 and see what Simon Peter is up to. I'll be reading out the W.E.B. As Peter went throughout all those parts, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years because he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he arose. All who lived at Lydda and in Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which when translated means Dorcas. This woman is full of good works and acts of mercy, which she did. In those days, she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. As Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Peter got up and went with them. When he had come, they brought him into the upper room. All the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. This became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. He stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So it's kind of funny because on Tuesday I mentioned to you guys that the disciples were sticking around Jerusalem for some reason, and there was really, um, in my mind, no reason why they were still in Jerusalem because Jesus had given the disciples the Great Commission to go out into all of the world and spread the gospel to every single creature. But the disciples, for some reason, were sticking around Jerusalem and hadn't, hadn't really gotten out much. But now we see that Peter gets the message and he's traveling now throughout all the parts of Israel. And I do wonder if uh, this didn't have something to do with Saul. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. But in the three years that Saul had become a Christian, Saul had already traveled from Damascus to Arabia, back to Damascus, to Jerusalem, and now he was in Tarsus. So just in three years, Saul was traveling around five different areas. Well, technically like four different areas because he did Damascus twice. But Saul was traveling around. And I do wonder if the disciples in Jerusalem maybe uh, took the example of Saul, even though Saul now is, is taking a bit of a hiatus potentially from his ministry. Perhaps the other disciples finally 
uh, remembered that they are supposed to go out into the world and to preach the gospel to every single creature. So it says that Peter leaves Jerusalem and goes throughout all of those parts. So it is kind of funny that this happens right after Saul. That's kind of why I think possibly Saul had something to do with it. But anyway, it says he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. Now, this word saints is mentioned, which is kind of interesting. And this is the first time the Christians are called saints. And typically we think of saints as like, I don't know, you know, Saint Peter or Saint Anthony, you know, like the Catholic saints. But what saint means is actually somebody that is set apart. And so now scripture is actually calling Christians saints, which I find very interesting because I think in the in the Catholic Church, you have to go through a series of steps to achieve sainthood. But in scripture here, it's just saying that basically anybody who becomes a Christian is a saint. They are set apart. So it says the saints who lived at Lydda, there he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years because he was paralyzed. So somehow this man, Aeneas, it looks like in his in his adult life became paralyzed from some sort of accident. And I don't know if Aeneas was a um, prominent member of the Lydda community or not. I don't know. But it kind of does seem like he may have been a little bit well off potentially because he had a bed. <laughs> and... Um, Possibly this bed was like inside of his house and Peter found out, heard about this man, Aeneas. But then again, I guess other poor people had beds as well, like mats on the floor. So I don't know exactly, but I imagine Aeneas in my own extra biblical opinion that he was more of a well-off man. It doesn't matter though. Anyway, Peter says to Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately Aeneas arose. So Peter is now performing these miracles again. He may have been performing them the whole time, even throughout Jerusalem. We just didn't hear about some of those miracles. But we hear about these ones that Peter is now performing in the name of Jesus Christ. And I do like that Peter mentions that it wasn't Peter that was healing this man Aeneas, but it was Jesus Christ who is healing Aeneas. And Peter specifically says that to Aeneas, and Aeneas gets up and makes his bed. And all who lived at Lydda and in Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. That's another thing that kind of makes me think that this Aeneas man may have been more prominent potentially because both Lydda and Sharon knew who this man was and they saw him, but they turned to the Lord because of this wonderful miracle that was performed through the name of Jesus Christ. And just for you guys' information, Lydda from my understanding, is modern-day Tel Aviv, or nearby modern-day Tel Aviv. So in verse 36, Joppa, this area called Joppa, hears about what Peter is doing in Lydda. And there is a prominent woman who lived in Joppa, and her name was Tabitha or Dorcas, which means the exact same thing. It means deer, like a, a deer that you see in your backyard. She was a very well-known woman because she was a prominent volunteer, basically. She was full of good works and acts of mercy. And so I, I imagine also that she might have been a widow because all these widows 
are gathering around her when she dies and crying and weeping over her death. And this looks like it was a real crying and weeping. We see other times in scripture that when a bunch of people are gathered to cry and weep over somebody, that a lot of times it's fake because people back in these days would actually hire people to cry and weep over their their lost family members. Almost like uh, play actors would come and cry and weep over dead family members. That was a very popular thing, thing to do. But this woman Tabitha dies and it sounds like these widows are truly distraught that she had died. And so maybe she was a widow herself or possibly she just worked in the widow ministry and cared very deeply for widows. So it says she became sick and she died and they washed her and they laid her in the upper room. And so Lydda was near Joppa and the people in Joppa sent for Peter. And we don't know if they sent for Peter before or after Tabitha's death. Possibly they sent before, like when she was still sick, asking Peter to come and heal Tabitha. Or possibly they were sending for Peter um, to maybe help them after Tabitha's death. Maybe um, organize something for the widows who no longer had Tabitha. I don't know if they were asking Peter to come so that he could raise her from the dead. I, I don't think that's what was going on here. I don't think they even expected it, actually, because it seems here like the widows that were mourning over Tabitha were not expecting Peter to raise her from the dead. It says that all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. So this kind of just goes to show how much Tabitha or Dorcas, the name is the same, but in two different languages, how much Tabitha had really done because all these widows are gathering around Peter and showing all these beautiful coats that Tabitha made while she was still alive. I imagine giving them to these widows who had nothing and all these beautiful garments. So it sounds like she was a seamstress who donated her time, energy, resources, and money to help the poor of her community. So she was likely a more well-off woman in some way. Maybe she had her own seamstress business and on the side, she did this ministry helping the, the poor folks in her community. We don't know, but we know that she did a lot. And that's what it says in verse 36. This woman was full of good works and acts of mercy, which she did. And that's very important that Luke, the author of Acts, mentions that Tabitha actually did these things for the community. She didn't just think about them or didn't just, you know, say she was going to do something. She went out and she actually did the things that she wanted to do and that she said she was going to do. And that's very hard to do. It's very hard to go out and do something. It's a lot easier to sit down and to think about it and stew about it and plan it for hours and days and months and years before you actually go out and do something or potentially never go out and do the thing that you thought to go do that might help people. And I know for me, I had a dream of starting P40 Ministries years before I started it, but I was way too scared. I was too scared to put more effort into something that I was afraid might fail. And that's why I didn't start it. 
I had a dream of starting it way back in like 2016, where I was like, I don't know if I want to start a business on the side because I'm already doing so much now. And that just seems like a whole lot of work and I don't have money and I don't have time and I don't have resources. But that kind of thinking, if I had stayed there, I never would have started P40 Ministries. I never would have started this podcast. I never would have started the blog. I never would have been able to do any of this that is so fulfilling and hopefully very meaningful to all of you faithful listeners out there that are listening to the podcast. I never would have done it had I stayed in that mindset. So it's really important to not just stew on something and not just think about it forever, but to actually go out and take little steps to start doing something that you truly want to do and also something that will benefit somebody else. The biggest step that I took in starting this ministry And I'll just say it right out. And I believe this very, very fully. Was I started volunteering at my church. And it had nothing to do with P40 Ministries or starting my business. But when I finally got out of the me mindset, because I was very, very focused on me for a long time. When I finally got out of that self-worshipping mindset where I couldn't put any effort forth on anything. And, you know, I, I wanted to be in just complete comfort constantly. And I didn't really want to spread my faith too much for fear of offending people. Once I got out of that mindset and I started volunteering at my church, that was when my life started to change radically. And I realized I loved volunteering. I loved doing things at my church. It was what brought me purpose. And what happened was, It was during the busiest time of my entire life, back in 2015 or 2016, whenever, when I first wanted to start P40 Ministries or something like P40 Ministries, I thought I was super busy and I only worked like like four days a week. And I was like, I'm way too busy to start anything, you know, and I I truly believed that I was the busiest person on the planet. I'm not even joking. And I, I worked part time. And I was like, I'm a housewife too. You know? So <laughs> I made these excuses. But in 2019, when I first started volunteering, I was truly the busiest I have ever been, even to this day. I was working full time at the factory at a job I absolutely despised. And then I was going to school full time in the evenings. Even my weekends were filled up because my house was filthy. And like my husband helped, of course, like don't don't get me wrong. He was a, he's a good guy, but <laughs> my house was filthy. And so I'd spend the Saturdays like taking care of my husband and taking care of my house. But I squeezed in time during the busiest time of my life to go and to volunteer at something at the church. And I didn't initially want to do it. Somebody came to me and was like, hey, Jen, do you want to help me lead this study? I think it'd be really cool for us to get to know each other better and to lead this study together. And I was like, Yeah, I guess I'll do it. Once I ended up saying yes to doing that study at my church and and helping teach it and lead it, that study was speaking to me (laughs) like it truly was. It was one of Jenny Allen's studies. I don't remember which one, but it was speaking to me. Every single lesson was like talking to me, basically. It was like God was using that study to to kick me in the butt, kind of. But after that, my life started to change for the better. I started looking for opportunities to volunteer. I started showing up to things. 
And that's when I really started to get to know the people in my church because I knew nobody. And if you talk to anybody from my church about me, they will say that I was super closed off. I was kind of unfriendly and uh, they didn't know how to to talk to me. And that is so true. I was so closed off. So the best thing that I ever did for myself and the best thing God ever helped me with was me to stop thinking about myself. And the times when I have thought about myself again over the years and like got back into that mindset of like, oh, I need discomfort and I need to not focus my time on that. I need to do something else. Those have been the times when I have become the most miserable again. So very long story short, Tabitha here had the opposite mindset than what I had years ago. She knew how to take care of other people. She was honored in her death because of all of these good works that she did. She didn't just think about them. She went and did them and she blessed so many people in this uh, in this town as she was honored in her death. And Peter goes in. It says he sent them all out and he knelt down praying. So Peter sends them all out, similarly to how Jesus had done when he healed the young girl. And he's kneeling down at Tabitha's bed, praying, praying for confirmation that Tabitha would be risen from the dead, basically, I would imagine. He's praying and he turns to the body. Maybe he gets that confirmation. He says, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and sat up. And so he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then he calls in the saints and the widows and presented her alive. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like somebody in your community dying? Somebody very prominent in your community that helped you out personally dying and somebody presenting her or him alive to you like (laughs) right after you had seen his or her dead body oh my goodness this is amazing and this is mentioned not to give honor to Tabitha but to give honor to God because God was the one who healed both of those people and God can do literally anything and God for some reason saw it necessary to give Tabitha life on earth again, maybe because of her good works and maybe her life wasn't finished yet. Maybe she still had something to do. But it says in verse 42 also that this became known throughout all of Joppa and many believed in the Lord because of what had happened with Tabitha. Imagine having that kind of legacy that Tabitha had, not just being known for good works that you do, but being known as the person who was risen from the dead And because of that miracle that was like on you, tons of people in your city end up becoming Christians because of it. That is quite the amazing legacy that Tabitha had. And many believed in the Lord because of this miracle that God had done for this woman, Tabitha. And for the people also who were uh, affected by Tabitha's death. In verse 43, It says, Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So here's what's interesting about this. Tanners were hated. (laughs) Well, disliked, I should say, in Jewish history because of their involvement with dead animals. 
because that's what tanners do. Obviously, that that's they're like getting the skin off of the dead animals. And so the fact that Peter is staying with this man named Simon, who was a tanner, kind of shows that Peter is beginning to not hold to the cleanliness laws of the Old Testament anymore, the ones that have been fulfilled. Peter is not holding to those as much because they have been fulfilled through Jesus. And so Peter is beginning to understand this. So we'll talk about Peter a little bit more in the next chapter. So join me on Tuesday for an episode out of Acts chapter 10, where we're going to discuss the Holy Spirit coming to the Gentile peoples. And Peter... Um, with this vision that he sees of all the animals in the sheets. We're going to talk about that. Does that mean that all foods are now clean? (laughs) Or does that mean something else? We'll talk about that on Tuesday. So join in then. Friends and faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless.